0: Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ.
1: Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis.
0: And I'm Margaret Michael.
1: Thanks for tuning in today. And often on Front Porch Talks, we uh, have people in to share their testimonies. So today we thought that we would let you know why we think it's so important that people share their testimonies and that you hear people's testimonies and you as a believer share your testimony with those around you. So Pastor Margaret, would you like to talk a little bit about the outline that we'll be sharing today?
0: Yeah. So today we're actually sharing from an outline that is not ours. Um, Actually, it's from Jennifer Heron, who is a writer for Crosswalk.com. And we've shared on this before, but it's been a while. And We just felt like it was time to maybe go back, and especially in these days, our stories are so important, that we would talk a little bit about today. We'd talk a little bit about why it is so important that we share our story. And so we're going to try to get through 10 reasons today. If not, it might be a part two coming up. So the first point that we want to make today is uh, that we all have a story, and every story is unique. You know, Grayson, and you and I both have a story. Right. They look a little different. Um, before we came on air, I said, you know, Grayson, our stories look different. I was a rebel, and you weren't, or you hid it really well. Um, but I grew up um, in the church, but went far, far from the Lord. I ran, I believe, um, away from the Lord, and God saved me miraculously and has turned my life around, and uh, my testimony might be a little bit more uh, radical than some, but what about you, Grayson?
1: I remember a few years back now on Easter, we did these cardboard testimony things, and I was asked to do one. so I started thinking, well, I think immediately I knew for that type of thing that my biggest testimony, I think, is that I'm here at all, mm-hmm. because when Amen. I was four months old, uh, the doctors told my parents, prepare to lose your son. Mm-hmm. Well, Obviously, they didn't because I'm here. So I think that's a huge part of my testimony. Mm -hmm. Not that it's always been easy or, you know, um, we all have struggles. We all have things we deal with. Like the Apostle Paul said, thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We all have those things that we have to deal with. You know, everybody, like you said, Pastor Margaret, everybody's testimony is unique and everybody's story is important. We don't need to apologize for our story or feel bad about our story because it's the one God gave us.
0: Right. And, you know, um, I was on the end of believing that I had went too far, that God would never forgive me. I remember sitting in church and thinking, it is so wonderful that all these people in this church could be saved, but I can't because I thought I had gone farther than God's grace allowed. And I remember your dad helping me through that back in 1996. And it changed my life. I, my life was miraculously transformed. I remember someone came to the church here and said, they were visiting and they said, if Margaret Michael a pastor here, I don't know if I can go to this church. And uh, they didn't tell me that to my face. But two years later, they came to me and they said, you know what we've discovered is that if God can change Margaret, he can change anybody. Right. And, you know, that just blessed my heart because... The changes in me are far beyond anything that I right. could do for myself. Right. And uh, so when I see people, um, I just see an opportunity for God to work miraculously. And in your life, like I know that even your testimony is a part of your dad's testimony. Right. You know, of how God worked in his life in right. um, your miracle. Um, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that you're a miracle. And so sometimes we look at our lives and we don't see the significance of our unique situation. And uh, so today, hopefully that helps those listening. But
1: even though our stories are different, Pastor Margaret, there's one underlying thing I think we could both safely say, and many Christians could safely say this, if it wasn't for Christ, neither one of us would be here today.
0: Amen, for sure. There is no doubt in my mind that I weren't for Christ, that neither one of us would be here. And that's what people need to hear today, that our story is unique, even if we don't think so. God's grace is in the midst of every one of our lives. And really, I was being very prideful when I thought that Jesus going to the cross wasn't enough for my life, you know, that it didn't cover my sin. And I had to come to that point where I realized that. And whether we have a calm story (laughs) or we have a radical story, where we haven't went down the roads of sin or maybe there hasn't been this huge miracle in our life, God still, His life is evident in ours when we accept Him. So, yeah, our stories are definitely unique, even if we don't think so.
1: Point number two talks about how, you know, in God's Word, He tells us to share the hope that we have as believers. And I believe you have a scripture verse, Pastor Margaret.
0: Yeah, so 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, yeah, it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're told to share our hope. And I have just something I want to share on this point. It's actually a devotional that I read back a while ago, and I thought, man, this is so true. And I think it's just good to share it today to hear another voice. Um, this writer, is, his name is Chris Tigreen. And this is out of the Salt and Light devotional. It says Peter wrote to Christians in the first century who were experiencing a local wave of persecution. The fact that he urged his readers to avoid persecution by doing good suggests that some of them may have been causing unnecessary trouble. But he assured the believers who were making positive contributions to society and still suffering that they would be rewarded. God does not let the sacrifices of his people go to waste in his kingdom. In the midst of this encouragement to avoid trouble, but to suffer well when trouble is unavoidable, Peter made a remarkable statement. He urges his readers to be ready to answer whenever someone asks why they have such hope. The clear implications of this statement and that hope is visible in those who believe, and when having such an attitude doesn't seem to fit the circumstances, It is worth asking about. In other words, he expected his readers to be noticeably hopeful in the face of adversity and for others to be baffled by what they saw. Wow, what a word for today. That way, whenever the current curious situation provoked a conversation, Christians should be able to explain where their lives were truly anchored. In the Bible, hope is never just wishful thinking, as so many understand it when using the word today. It is the expectation of a certainty, something that hasn't happened on the timeline of history yet, but undoubtedly will. That confidence in God's future plan will anchor our lives in the reality of His kingdom, but it will mystify those around us. When they ask, and they will, when adverse circumstances throw our hope into stark relief, we need to have an answer. We may never need to explain the gifts God has given us, the skills we have, or the knowledge we have, but we will need to explain our hope it points to another realm and some of the people of God has put in their lives as it points to another realm and some of the people God has put in our lives are eager to see it. Wow, some of the people that God has put in our lives are eager to see it. We don't believe that. It's so important that we believe that people want to hear about the hope that we have and that kind of, unless you have something to share about it rolls into our next point.
1: Well, I was just going to say that, especially in these times, that is so pertinent in these times where with all the uncertainty that's going on, we need hope more than ever. And I mean, that's a key thing here on Front Porch Talks. We always say at the end, we pray that today's broadcast has been a half hour of hope for your life. So that verse tells us that we're commanded to share the hope that we have. Absolutely. So that's The main thing that I would add to that reading is timely and, uh, yeah, just an emphasis, again, that we need to share the hope that Christ has given us.
0: Yeah, that's what our lives hang on. So that leads us into our third point. um, People love to hear stories, both believers and unbelievers. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that story draws folks in. And we can, you know, we'll love a good movie. Um, We'll love when there is a great storyline And the notes tell us here, it gives us an opportunity to see another person's point of view. People love to hear story. It is encouraging. And these days, we need to hear good stories. We need to hear stories of hope. We need to hear about truth because there's so much today, we're not sure where the truth is. And so, but we know without a shadow of a doubt that God's word is truth. We can bank on it. We can build our lives on that truth and really... That foundation of truth is what gives us hope. Um, And I believe in these days, people are looking for something to believe in. And we have it. We have eternal truth, eternal hope in
1: Christ. And I think it says that people, believers and unbelievers alike, like to hear stories. It's kind of a way to open the door. I know I've heard you say many times, Pastor Margaret, you're willing to have a ton of conversations you don't want to have to get to the conversation you really want to have. Absolutely. That's not necessarily story, but sometimes building a relationship with people through our stories will lead to talking about our ultimate story, and that's about Christ.
0: You know, um, thinking about that, I will share just a little bit of story um, from kind of the last year of our lives. I was actually made aware of someone who was from an, another country. Um, she had been here. She had been shunned from her own f- family, uh, and another family had taken her in, and she became a little bit more than that family wanted, so they decided that they would take her to a homeless shelter and drop her off. Beautiful young girl. A homeless shelter probably wasn't the best idea. I found out about this, and when they dropped her off at the homeless shelter, I was across the street waiting to pick her up, and she was pretty sure that Christians weren't for her, the religion she come from. Mm-hmm. And when she found out was a pastor, she was a little bit scared. But by that evening, uh, she came home with me. We fixed dinner, and she came up to me, and she said, I feel peace that I've never felt before in my life. And that was God giving her that great peace. And she ended up living with us for a year. And we had a lot of conversation, you know, and— we had a lot of conversation about religion and about Christianity and the religion that she was from. And I just remember one day, she asked me a very political question. And I gave her an answer, probably wasn't the answer she wanted, but I wasn't willing to get in a political conversation with her because I knew it would be divisive. But instead, I asked her, I said, you know, if you were to look as from your religion at Christians. You've been told that we kill you, that we, right. you know, we've had right. that conversation before. you. have come to me and said, hey, I was scared that night when I came to your house because I heard that Christians killed yeah. my religion. And I said, well, vice versa. Right. And I said, but here's the thing. Here you and I sit. Uh, we come from two different religions. But yet we love one another. Does that make some things that you've heard a lie? She's like, you're right. And in that moment, it was like, I felt like I was sitting with someone as Jesus had sat with someone. And actually the Samaritan woman, which I could have been in that place or, you know, like it was just, we had divine appointment had brought us together and we were having really important conversation. The end of the story, God is working on her. He's still working on me. She got her own place. She got a driver's license. She did all the things. She actually became a believer and has been baptized. And it come from just being able and willing to step into her world and asking her to step into ours. It's not that hard. It wasn't always easy, but I had to step way out of my comfort zone and tell her we were going to invest Not just in hearing her story, but invest in her life. And, man, I hope that in me just sharing that, we can realize that we have divine opportunities all the time to share the hope we have. And we may have to, like you said, and back to the point, we may have to listen to some things, have some conversations that we're really not prepared for. I wasn't prepared for those conversations. She found out while we were in the car that I was a pastor and she freaked out, but God is in the details and we must in these days be willing to step out of our comfort zone to share, not just with unbelievers, but with believers in these days, we as believers need to be encouraged by one another's stories.
1: Yes, Pastor Margaret. And, uh, just quickly, as you were talking, I, uh, remember a situation where me and dad and a couple other guys had a meal at the table of a guy of a different religion than Mm -hmm. us. And that same as you were talking about with this girl, you know, that would be against our culture and their culture Mm -hmm. because sharing a meal is a big deal, especially in their culture. Mm -hmm. But uh, what we've been talking about rolls right into number four, where it says it removes fear and gives courage. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the girl that stayed with you having fear and I don't know if you had fear or not, you can speak to that, but I'm sure that as you guys shared with each other, it certainly removed fear and gave courage.
0: Certainly did, and yes, um, I believe anytime that we step into enemy territory, there's some fear, and I put myself and my family really in danger when we said yes to that call, but we couldn't not. Um, we had said, well, you can stay for a week and you can find a place, and Steve and I talked and we said, man, God's doing something here and we need to help her and get her to a place that she is more stable. And so, yeah, it removes fear. You know, it's a miracle, really. Her life is a miracle. God moved miraculously. He spoke to her. And one morning I was dropping her off at work and she said, "Uh, Margaret, I had a dream. I said, you did. What was it? And she said, I dreamed that all of my teeth fell out. But when they fell out, there were new ones already there. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That dream came from the Lord. Like that is a picture of the old being taken away and there's new, that the new has come. And I said, God has given you something new to chew on. He's given you his word. And she just sat there like totally blown away. But God did things like that throughout to where even in the midst of fear, we knew that we needed to keep moving ahead. And it encouraged both of us that day. So yes, definitely it removes fear and gives courage. Number five is unbelievers will have a hard time disputing what you say is your story. That is so true. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about a a really a hot um, topic in today's world. And with this election coming up and they said, you know, when you put faith into the conversation, we lose that battle. Right. And that's why we put faith into right. the conversation. Right. Because right. when you put faith in it, and she said, when we debate that topic, we're not allowed to put faith in it right. because we'll lose the battle.
1: Right.
0: We need to hear that. Right. We need to hear that. People that don't have faith know when faith comes right. into it, because that was from an unbeliever.
1: Right. And... Uh, One thing that I had a thought on this point is, even though they might dispute some of the things of the Bible and things like that, and they might even dispute what we say and what we tell on our story, but as we live the life and live the example, Dad always said, let my life be my argument. Well, not so much my argument, but my testimony. My life will become my testimony. They won't be able to deny what's happening in our life what they can see happen in our life.
0: Right. Our life becomes their hope. Right. Um, And we don't even know it a lot of times because God uses it, and it kind of leads into the next. Right. (laughs) Um, It creates transparency within the church. Number six. Man, this is something that we really could take a whole half an hour, couldn't we? Right, yeah. Um, In these days, this is, is so important that we are sharing among believers that we're honest with where we are. And what I have witnessed recently is the enemy is trying to, through all of this that we're going through right now in our world, the enemy really is the one. He's the enemy. (laughs) Uh, We need to name the enemy. It's the devil. He's using a lot of this isolation to bring doubt into our minds, to take us to old thought patterns, to make us believe that Maybe we don't have the identity that we um, thought we had. I was talking to someone recently, and they're like, you know, I've just noticed that people aren't calling me. I've called them, and I don't get a return phone call. And her thought was, what have I done? She didn't know of anything she had done. And I'm very proud of her because not only did she have that thought, but she sat down and wrote a letter to everyone that she hadn't heard from. And ask them, have I offended you? Now, let me tell you, that's being intentional in your relationships. And actually, while she was telling me that, the person that she had written one of the letters to called her back. But we must have transparency within the church because when we allow the enemy to make us start having these thoughts that are not from God, they're condemning thoughts. Yes, God convicts us, but he never condemns us. And when the enemy can get us into isolation and not share our stories with other believers, oh man, he loves that. But what I've realized is in these days, we must share with one another. And I just want to share something from the book of Romans. You know, the church here, our life group semester, this semester, we are living in Romans for the semester, and I'm going to read just a bit of scripture and I want you to hear what Paul is saying. Now, he's never been to Rome, and he says, and this, I will just say up front, this is a poetic translation of the gospel. I give thanks, and this is Romans 1 8, I give thanks to God for all of you, because it is through your conversion to Jesus Christ that the testimony of your strong, persistent faith is spreading throughout the world. Why could just stop there? The importance of our testimony. And God knows that I pray for you continually and at all times. Paul's writing this from chains. For I passionately serve and worship him with my spirit through the revelation of his son. My desire and constant prayer is that I would be able to come and visit you according to the plan and timing of God. Paul wasn't working on his own timing. He knew that. I yearn to come and be face-to-face with you and get to know you, for I long to impart to you the gift of the Spirit that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. And this is what I love so much. Now this means that when we come together and are side-by-side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. We must come together with other believers because when we don't, we begin to have a lot of thoughts, a lot of negative that comes into our minds. It happens to me. And I just, I want to read one more verse 13 because I think this is where we fall short as believers sometimes. So my dear brothers and sisters, please don't interpret my failure to visit you as indifference because so many times I've intended to come but have not been released to do so up till now.
1: Right.
0: What a word for us as believers today that we can't give up on people just because we haven't heard from them or they haven't showed up on our doorstep. Right. We are called to be co-encouragers in the body of Christ.
1: We don't know what's going on in other people's no. lives. We don't know the reason, and God doesn't want us to give up Amen. On them. Creating transparency in the church, that leads into point number seven, mm-hmm. I believe, about becoming a resource for others. By being transparent for others and sharing our struggles and sharing our past, they might be going through something now that we went through in the past that we can help them get through.
0: You know, at Celebrate Recovery, which is every Monday night at 630, here it's for anyone who has a hurt habit or hang up, and that's not just addiction To drugs and alcohol but it is we are addicted to so many things these days and codependent but we share story and the reason we do we have a lesson one week and a testimony the next and the reason we do that is because we need to hear the lesson we need to hear scripture and why we believe what we believe but we also desperately need to hear the story of someone who has been down the road. I cannot tell you the amount of times that people have come in, a newcomer, their first night, and the testimony is exactly what they needed to hear to give them the courage to come back the next week. And we do become a resource for others. That is the call of the gospel, to walk together. And, yeah, I love in the notes it says, your story can be a key to unlock someone else's prison. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. The next bullet point, um, you keep your initial salvation testimony alive in your mind. We cannot forget where we've come from. I cannot forget the pit of brokenness that I walked into this church on Roosevelt Street in 1995 and sat on that back row for six months before I could even believe, begin to believe that God would save me from the pit that I was in. Who are those people among us today? Because when I remember that girl, I remember that Margaret, my heart is flooded with gratitude for the saving grace of jesus Mm -hmm. christ in my life Mm -hmm. and it helps me to see that not the person in front of me what all is wrong with them but i see what all could be right with them if they can come to a believing faith in jesus christ and how i live my life around people will have a lot to do with them coming to faith. And that is that is something that we're all work in progress. Right. We don't do it right all the time. We make mm-hmm. mistakes, but being uh, willing to, to admit that and to be honest and transparent as we walk, remembering that um, we once were lost as well.
1: Right, and by remembering our initial, you know, when we initially came to Christ, it keeps our passion for lost people. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't need to lose that as Christians. We need to always have a passion for being a witness and to be an example to lead others to Christ. Mm. And the next bullet point says that we deliver more testimonies as God continues to work in us. And we talk a lot about on Front Porch Talks about how our testimonies need to be up to date. We always ask people, what's God up to right now in your life? We want to let people know that the gospel's still the good news.
0: Amen. You know, I laugh when I read that because, man, he is still doing the work in us. And when the hard stuff comes at us, it is another opportunity for us to become more like Christ. We're not. You know, we have a free will. And I, I just have to say that someone had asked us to open our home to another young woman back last summer. And she said um, to the person that had told her, And she met with me, and she went back to the person that, you know, had brought us together and said, you know, she's a pastor. That's way too religious for me. No, I don't want to move in with her. But she's the one that took me to the homeless shelter to meet her friend. And they both came to Christ. They were both baptized on the same day. And these are the stories that we don't hear by the baptismal tank, you know. But that is the work that he's doing, like, there is so much that He still has to do in me because that wasn't all easy, and I didn't do it all right. But God has continued to give me an up-to-date testimony. And through this, He showed me some things in my own life that needed changing as I continued to have people in our home. And sometimes we're a little selfish, you know, when you're in your own home. And um, I felt the conviction. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just so grateful um, that God does continue to work in us, that we don't arrive as a believer when we say yes to Jesus, but it is a daily trusting in the Lord. His mercies are new every day in Lamentations 3.
1: And the final point that we have is that it glorifies God. Our story is not about us. It's about Him. It's when He entered (laughs) our story. That's when our testimony really begins.
0: Yeah. And, And you know, really does, it glorifies God. And you know, I can look back before I was a believer and see where his hand was on my life. And that is important when we are talking with unbelievers. And we must always give the glory to God. This isn't about us. This is about a kingdom that is not of this world. And recently, someone said this to me, and I can't really get over it. Um, We know that God is the Lord of the harvest. We know Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. We know that. However... He has brought us in and saved us, not just to save us, right. but He calls us to become ministers of reconciliation, and He co-ministers with us, right. and He partners with us and fills us with His Spirit so that we can be ministers of reconciliation. And someone made this comment recently that our job on earth is to populate heaven. Right. That's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for us all. What are we doing to help populate heaven? We know that Jesus is Lord of the Harvest, but he partners with us in that. And there's a song uh, that has really been ministering to me. It's a powerful song. I'll give you the name of it and who sings it. You can go to YouTube and look it up. Um, It's called The Story I'll Tell, and it's by Maverick City Music. Just Google that. Powerful, powerful song that speaks to the story that we have, and I would encourage you to go listen to it. Um, I have just had it on repeat many days as I've been ministered to, and it helps me to understand the call that God has on my life, and we have to stand strong through the trials. It will become a part of our testimony.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that as we've shared these points on why it's important to share your story, to share your testimony, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life, and that it will encourage you to share your story with those around you. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg-Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470
1: AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.